thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, good morning church. Did that feel like a long time or was that just me? (laughs) It is really, really great to be among you all again. Really been looking forward to seeing you. I've spoken here a few times. Um, My name is Ramin and... I was brought up in Barrow and Furnace. Okay, I just wanted to make that be known and survived. And um, one of the interesting things is when you have the opportunity to speak, and generally this is the way that I would work, so other people that have the privilege may work differently, is that I like to get the scripture as soon as possible or the passage that I'm going to be considering and then read it and read it and just see what God has to say to me and then just park it. And then just let time pass and it kind of ruminates and and moves around and then it kind of starts to come to life. And every now and again, you get it straight away. Every now and again, you're waiting until the day of or the day before. And then you get that moment, you're like, oh, thank goodness. I think I know what you want to say to your people this morning, Lord. So that's my heart today. And what I want to do is, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 3, um, continuing in the series, is just tell you that yesterday I went to Ikea, and I survived, (laughs) and hadn't been for quite a while with Caroline, my wife, and we went with our, our little daughter, Naomi, but boy... Isn't, isn't it an act of endurance? If you're kind of measuring your steps, you'll have done some distance yet. And I'm sure it's scientifically kind of all taken into account that they have the cafe at a certain section where your resolve is completely down and you're like, yeah, let's just go there for a little bit. But Caroline and I often joke about one time when we went with Amelia and Alex to Ikea years ago. And I'd gone into that strange space where everything looks really interesting and you'd quite like to buy it. It'll have no practical use for you. You probably have things at home that you bought in Ikea at that kind of slight mania that comes upon us. And I remember seeing these orange pajamas that looked amazingly comfortable. And I said, Caroline, can I buy those pajamas? She said, would you ever wear them? I said, I'm sure I would. They look great. And she, taught, she did like um, you would with a child that's three years old. Talk about something else, distract them, <laughs> move on. And... Um, And I never bought them, but we often joke about the orange pyjamas and the impact that Ikea has upon you. Why are we talking about this? Because yesterday I felt I had a glimpse of eternity at Ikea, but not in a good way. Today, actually, you may, upon first reading of the passage we're going to be considering, think that it may not be about eternity, but it actually is. It's about you It's about your eternity, because the reality is this, is that we will all spend eternity somewhere. Yeah? And God in his goodness and in his mercy 
and in his love towards you and I, gives us a choice. Some would say, well, why, if he loved us, would he force, if he loved us, why wouldn't he just take care of us and make it all right? True love gives a choice. True love says, this is what's in front of you. These are the options. Which way are you going to choose? And for some of us, we'll have a choice today. Yeah, it's no accident that you're here. It's not happenstance. So we'll turn to the scripture, but before I, we do, I just want to bring this morning's message in, in honor and in the memory of my granddad, Eric Lauber, who one of his last words that he said to me was, don't ever forget my beloved Barrow. And to my dad, John Solihy, who chose to spend his life in Barrow when he could have lived anywhere. So it's in honor of both of those fine men. So if you have your Bible, could you turn to 1 Samuel 3? 1 Samuel 3, and it should appear on the screen in front of us. Okay. And what we're going to do, rather than read out the whole passage right now, we're going to kind of work through it chapter by chapter. The first 14 chapters are going to be our focus today, okay? And we'll open it up as we go along. But if we wanted a title, there's a few character counts, called by God, or an attentive ear and an obedient will. So we have verse one. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Now, just let's park there, okay? At that time, the word of the Lord was rare or precious. And there was not many open visions. People weren't hearing from God. They weren't seeing the things of God. There was something in the spiritual atmosphere and dynamic of that time that means that in some sense, heaven was closed off to many people. And revelation from God was very rare. It was seen as being precious at that time. There wasn't a a free flow of the will and the way of God in that season. Why? We find out in 1 Samuel 2. It says, the spiritual heavens were shut up because of the unbelief and unrighteousness of God's professing people. Not the unbelief and unrighteousness of culture out there, but because of in here because of unbelief and unrighteousness of God's people. That should at least cause us to pause, yeah, and think, okay, Lord, here I am. And it further goes on to say in verse 12 of chapter 2, Samuel 2, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. And the sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. So Eli was the prophet over Israel at the time. And so he had responsibility, spiritual responsibility over Israel. But he wasn't looking after his own home. His sons 
were scoundrels. We could say a lot more about that, but they were scoundrels. They were going hither and thither. They weren't respecting what they were actually called into. And so as a result of that, heaven was not only shut off to Eli fully, it was also shut off to the children and to the people of God. So there's a big implication there for church leadership, huge responsibility for people who stand up here and do this, but also there's a responsibility for us individually in how we lead our homes, how we lead our lives. Could it be, so let me just posit this to you, there can be a season in our walk before God where heaven is silent. It's a wilderness experience. It could be just part of that season. And it might be that we just say, heaven is silent. I'm not hearing from God. But could it be our sin? Could it be what we are allowing into our lives and into our homes that means that God and his Holy Spirit cannot be released and we're not getting revelation because there's something within us that is resisting the move of God in our lives. Could that be the case? I'm not saying it is. But one thing for certain is God is keen and enthusiastic to talk to you every day of your life. There was a study done recently that said if you were to read your Bible four times a week, you will see a material difference in your life to good. Yeah? Now, we kind of know that instinctively, but I hope... But there was research done, I think it was through the Barna Trust, and it said if you can invest some of your time in reading the scripture four times a week, four days a week, you will start to see movement and shifting in your life. It will unplug something. So the word of God was rare. The word of God was precious. Is the word and the life of God rare into your life if you have trusted him? Are you frustrated? I just don't seem to hear from God. His word doesn't jump out to me. Well, let's start with ourselves first. Let's be brave. Let's be brave. God will speak, God will guide when his people seek him and when his ministers serve him diligently. Why would we not want to hear from God? Maybe that we don't believe. Maybe it's because we don't believe he can help. Maybe we don't believe he cares. Maybe we just really want to do our own thing and not be disturbed in that and don't want to be accountable. Maybe we don't want to let go of our sin. Maybe we know enough of God to know that what we are doing is wrong, but we're putting our hands over our ears and don't want to hear from God because I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. And sometimes hearing from God seems like it's too big a cost. There's too big a price. If I hear from God and then do what he's asking me to do, this is too big. The implications are too wide. So, no, I didn't, I didn't quite catch that. What, what was that, God? 
no, no, it's a bad line. You know, like, that was meant to be like what happens on a mobile phone. Yeah. I didn't quite, sorry, it's a bit, but yeah, no, no, sorry, got it, got it, okay, and we'll come to church, we'll do our thing, you know, hopefully my book's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and then I'll go home and get on with my own stuff, yeah? But we're not prepared to make ourselves accountable. Maybe that's why we don't want to hear from God. Maybe that's why we're not hearing from God. And maybe the only time, often, and I, I hope this isn't us, but often times, and I know that this has been my experience, please God speak when I'm in trouble. I need to hear from you. Things are hard at the moment. The chickens hit the fan, which is quite a visual image. Um, I need you, God, yeah? I need you. Please, God, speak to me. Speak to me in your word. When it's tough, when it's hard, we call on God, and he's faithful, and he turns up. But the rest of the time, I'll go and do my own thing. Could that be the case? So the word of God was rare. Why? Lots of reasons. Back to the scripture. So verse 2. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. So this is the first time that Samuel is hearing the call and the word of God into his life. Yeah, the implications that are huge for the children of Israel, but for Samuel eternally, okay? And there's not one person in this room that God has not tried to speak to. The creator of all things, seen and unseen, the creator of me, the creator of you, almighty God, I can say with absolute confidence that he will have spoken or tried to have spoken to each one of us many times throughout our lives. And you know what? Most of the time, we'll have missed it. We'll have missed it. But on those times where we catch it, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, it is life-changing. Notice both Eli's and Samuel's proximity to God in this passage. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Eli wasn't. Okay, that's important. While Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel. We don't know for certain how old Samuel was. Anyone take a guess at how old Samuel was? Sorry? Ten. Ten. Twelve is the best guess, but I, I think we'll give you that one. Okay. There's enough grace in this place to give ten. And so, however old he was, God spoke to him. And God can speak to you whatever age. In fact... My son, when he was 16 years of age, oh, six years of age, he's actually here now. Put your hand up, Alex. And um, 
sitting next to my mum and my sister and his friend, so I've got a bit of stuff going on here, um, which is great. I don't want to be in trouble, mum. And Alex came down one morning and said to me, Dad, Jesus spoke to me last night. So as a parent, you're kind of like, right, okay. Hands in your pockets, you're thinking, right, okay. Don't make a big thing of it. He's six. You don't want it to become a thing that he then goes and shares with all his friends at school because it could get interesting, yeah? And so it's like, oh, cool, Alex, you know, have your popcorn, have your breakfast or whatever and that kind of stuff. And then as I kind of circled back to engage him properly about it, I could see in his countenance as he described to me that he had, and he'd audibly heard the voice of God telling Alex that he would always be with him. And there was just something of the Spirit of God in the moment, in his countenance, in his demeanor, in his body language. It was just like, yeah, it was audibly heard the voice of God. Now, that might be some of us in here, but it might be in different ways that God has spoken to us, in a conviction in our heart, in a smile from someone that we don't know, in the love, in the love that we've received from family and friends. There's a thousand ways that God can speak to us, but in this case, it was audible. And in Samuel's case, it pretty much points to the fact that it was an audible calling of him. And he said, here I am, but then the next thing he did, because there wasn't any more interaction, it's like, right, okay, here I am. Um, what do I do? He's 12, maybe a bit discombobulated. So he ran to Eli and told him because he thought that might have been Eli calling him. So Eli was old, his eyesight was bad. He just thought, oh, he needs my help. And he was always there to serve here I am, you called me to Eli, Eli says in verse 5, but I did not call you, go back and lie down. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, and it happens again and again. Now, in verse 7, it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, he'd not connected the dots. How many of us may be going through life that God is speaking to us, but we've never had someone around us that can help connect the dots? That's God? That was God? Yes. And so Eli, even in his state, is able to give him counsel. Verse 8. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Be a bit Groundhog Day-ish. If I was... If I was Samuel, I'd start to feel a bit awkward at this point. Yeah, I'm back. It's me again. Can I help? Look. Okay, Samuel. Then Samuel realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And if you take nothing else... If you've trusted your life to Jesus today, if you take nothing else from what I've said, is that phrase there? Is it up in there? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And be prepared for something to happen. Be prepared for him to say something to you new. Behold, I do a new thing. That phrase there could change the direction of your ship. That, that phrase could set you free from something. 
if you're brave enough to say that and be prepared to hear. And so that call there provoked me to remember when I was called. It all came together in 1997 when I was eight years of age. Right, okay. Just a tad older than eight, okay. The preacher lied, he did, he lied. Um, It came together in 1997. But in reality, I can trace that back to when I was a child where my mum would send me to Scunday School on Hartington Street. Now, my mum's not listening. She can't hear very well anyway. I think, she, I think she sent me there just to get a bit of a break, to be honest with you. I was a bit of a handful. It's like, go up the road. It was like 100 yards away, and I'd go to Sunday School. Go on our ramen. <laughs> Everyone in the house breathes a sigh of relief. I don't remember much about that time, apart from the fact that it was a very safe place. But then my thinking carried on, because it was about proximity to God at that early age. I was at Sunday school. I was close to God in that place. I also remember going to Catholic Youth Club on Anson Street and remembering the volunteers just being good and caring people. It was crazy, and I don't know how they did it, but I remember that. I remember attending St. James's C of E school and the head teacher, Mr. York, regularly teaching the gospel in assemblies and was all enjoying singing, We Are Climbing Jesus's Ladder Ladder. Why? Because it was a bit faster and it had a beat. <laughs> And we were like, yeah, we can get on board with this because everything else was like, oh, really? I remember that. I do remember always believing that there was a God. And my family probably don't know this, but I would go up to my room every Christmas day to thank Jesus with my little New Testament Bible. Not really knowing what I was doing or what I was reading, but that would be there. But that was it. Did that make me a Christian? Not in terms of my understanding. You see that believing that there is a God is insufficient when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God. When it comes to hearing and walking with God, just believing that there is a God is insufficient. Do you hear me? Yeah? When it comes to being transformed and set free, there is more to the kingdom of God than just acknowledging that he exists. That's a start. In James 2.19, in the New Living Translation, there's a verse here that could be a little bit jarring for some. And it says, you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you, slightly sarcastic. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Just so you know, hell is prepared for the demons yeah, and for the devil. They're going in one direction and one direction only, and they believe that there's a God. So believing that there's a God is not sufficient enough for our salvation. There needs to be another element in here, and it's all about Jesus. 
And it's all about trusting him and taking hold of that hand that we cannot see and being brave and hearing that voice and saying, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. You see, everything that the devil tries to do is to keep you from hearing from God because his word is life. His word will set you free. It will put you on a firm foundation. It'll help you make sense of this crazy world that we are in. It will be a lamp unto your feet and it will liberate you. In verse 10, then the Lord came and stood there calling out as other times, Samuel, Samuel. So he's gone back. He's been given, the, given what to say. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And if we were prepared to do that today, I would say that that is a brave thing to do. But I also would say it would be the best thing that you have ever done. Do you hear me? It would be the best thing that you have ever done. It might seem a bit woo. It might seem a bit wah. It might seem a little bit kind of, really? I feel like I'm fumbling in the dark here, but... But the scripture backed this up, and my conviction in my heart is that if we did that, we would see God move. And we are hungry. Most of us are hungry to see God move again in our lives. We've been too long at this place, and all of heaven and its resources through the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to just say, okay, here I am, speak. What do you want me to hear? So I remember in 1997, or probably around 96, um, and forgive me if I've shared this before, so I'm at university and I meet this really beautiful girl who starts to tell me about Jesus, okay? She's now my wife, so we're, we're good there in case you're like, really? This is just a bit. And... Um, I remember saying to Caroline, I said, look, I believe all of this, but I'm going to do it on my own terms. As a Catholic, you know, it was like, oh, there's a church there. I'll go to that on a Sunday. And I had that unction in my heart that there was something that I needed to do, but I wanted to do it on my terms. It's got to be my way. I'll do it in my way, in my time frame. And I think Caroline and I had some disagreement about something, and I thought, um, and God uses this, I thought, what would really please Caroline? I'll go to church with her. <laughs> so I went to church with her, and before I knew it, it was like, right, okay. And apparently I would sit there. Uh, the worship was awkward. Putting your hands up. You know, I think at one point my left heel tapped, but that's about as much as I cut loose, yeah? And so, but the teaching, I was wrapped by it because it was speaking into my inner man. It was life to me. And after I'd been going to church for about six months, I remember it distinctly. The church, the associate pastor came over to me called Buster, Scotsman. So forgive me if you're Scottish here now. And he said, oh, cramming. <laughs> and I said, uh, hi, hi, Buster. And at this point, the cafe in, in the church was really busy. But as soon as he said, to that, said that to me, I swear the place emptied. Because it was just him and I, and I was in a corner. 
And I'd like nowhere to go. He said, look, I've been meaning to talk to you for a bit. And I was like, oh, great, okay. What, what's up, man? <laughs> and he, he asked me this question and he said, Raman, are you a Christian? With spittle. And, um, and, and, and this, is, this is the last thing I did before I became a Christian. I lied. I said, yeah, yeah. Kind of like with a little wobble in my voice, I believe. And you know what he said to me? No, you're not. I would not say that to anyone unless the Holy Spirit guided me to say it. But in that moment, it was absolute gotcha. I had nowhere to go. Physically, I couldn't go anywhere. Anyway, I was probably like this in the corner. And he said, I want to lead you into a prayer of salvation. I believe that God is calling you by name. And he has a call on your life. And he has a call on your life. And he has a call on your life. And it's time to respond to him. So I prayed stumbling prayer and I remember opening my eyes and all of a sudden the cafe was full of people who then were surrounding me and giving me hugs and it was just too much information for me it was like eh, eh, right okay um, something's happened but I need to go home I need to go home and tomorrow it'll be okay so I went home and I went into my student accommodation and I remember waking up in the morning, and forgive me if I've said this to you guys already, but I feel this morning's the time to share again. I remember hearing birds singing. Now, where I was living, it was absolutely possible that the bird would have been in my bedroom. So there was that possibility. It wasn't particularly salubrious. But waking up to the sound of birds singing, then I remember thinking, I need to go meet my friend Richard on campus. And I was living in Deepdale in Preston. How long do I have left? You've gone over time already. Right, thank you. So, and I remember, I remember, I remember walking um, in Deepdale in Preston. If you know it, it's, it's interesting. And I remember seeing some moss growing up a wall and thinking this. Bayek, that moss looks so beautiful and green. Yeah, Bayek, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. So then... Sorry, not sorry. And then I, I carried on um, into the campus and I arrived um, to meet Richard. And Richard was looking at me from about 30 yards away and he was like gesticulating towards me. I was walking towards him thinking, what's going on with him? Don't think I'm late. Walking towards him and he goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, right, are we going <laughs> to... You know, I'm ready. And he said, what's with the smile? And I said, sorry. He said, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. That smile is ridiculous. <laughs> Put it away. Great guy. And then all of a sudden, I had this like, <clears throat> to the night before. And as I've reflected on this ever since, When I was looking at the green moss that you'd walk past a million times and never think about, for the first time in my life, I had eyes to see. And I heard the birds singing and he'd given me ears to hear. And when my friend saw me and was disturbed, 
by my smile, my smile is because for the first time I knew a deep, deep joy. And it had all happened that night before where God had called me by name and I said, yes, Lord. Okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know that there's been a trajectory which you have confirmed throughout all of my life for me to come to this place before you. And I say, yes. And that is the promise to us here. He promises to put your feet on a firm foundation. He promises that everything that's gone, everything that has passed, that's okay. You're here today and you can hear his voice and he's not holding anything against you. There's no sin that's too big for God. But he's calling us by name. He's calling you by name in this place. And then verse 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I'm about to do something. The creator of all things seen and unseen is saying, I'm about to do something. Are you brave? Are you prepared? Do you want to be part of that? Because he's about to do something. In 1 Peter 5 verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's almighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then finally, Isaiah 43 It says, forget the former things. Did we hear that? Forget the former things. Forget it. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not feel it? Do you not sense it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That is a promise to each one of us in this place today. Wherever you were yesterday, you might be running hard with the Lord. He's calling you anew again today. You might have fallen away completely and you're kind of just turning up to church by habit. You might only be here today because your, your dad is speaking at church. Yeah? God is saying to all of us, Today is a new day. Behold, I do a new thing. And you're not here by accident. And that is the call to each one of us in, in this place today. So who wants to stand for the Lord in this place? Well, stand then. And we'll pray. Because he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that you're calling each one of us by name. Thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you're calling us out of the things of the past and saying, behold, today's a new day and I want to take you to a place that you've never been before. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit now would be released amongst us. 
that you'd give us courage, that you'd give us bravery, and that you would do a new thing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.